You're listening to Sips of Sanity, your toolkit for emotional and intuitive intelligence, or what we like to call the dirty work. Let's do it. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning. I see you are wearing your favorite winter sweater. Thank you for noticing. I'm so excited today. It, um, whenever I see you in this sweater, it, uh, I don't know if everybody else feels the same, when they see the person that they love in their favorite cozy, warm winter, I don't know. I want to, I'm just going to go with that and not just say Christmassy, but wintry mm-hmm. sweater on. And it just makes me want to hug you. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. I, I did this on purpose. So this is really fun that you're, you're bringing it up because it's November 29th today. Mm-hmm. We are doing our, our December shows. It's you know, it's going to be on Wednesday that we enter the new month, mm-hmm. which is exciting because it means Christmas is around the corner or winter holiday or whatever you have thoughtfully decided to call it for yeah. your yourself and your family. Um, and and I, we're talking about my favorite thing today. So one of my favorite months and times of year, my favorite sweater, and we're talking about psych. <laughs> Okay. It buzzing. Is, it is a good energy in this room. Yes. Okay. So we promised them and we want to say thanks to Martin, one of the patrons who reminded us. That we promised something and forgot. <laughs> exactly. Because I got excited and thought we were moving forward into shame. I, weird statement. So, but yes. Yeah. So we'll do shame in January okay. or February. We'll put it in that area. Um, and we're going to go ahead and keep our word to Martin and the rest of the patrons. And also say for anyone who is looking at this, this is what healthy accountability looks like. Right. That when someone says, oh, hey, you promised something, we can show up with humility. We can show up with mm-hmm. collabor- like collaboration in mind to say, thank you for reminding me. Thank you for holding me accountable. Let me get on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very happily done. Cool. So we're actually going to be talking about attachment styles, as we mentioned, and this was uh, inspired by one of our book club choices earlier this year, and that was by Dr. Sue Johnson, and her book is called Hold Me Tight, and it's talking all about attachment theories. And our book clubbers absolutely loved it. I also want to say for anyone, you know, we finished that at the end of October, but anyone who joins mm-hmm. Patreon at any point in time can go back and have access to all of that content, mm-hmm. which is really exciting. So if you end up loving this series and think, ooh, I want to go get that, here's a fun hack, and I'm going to be a really bad businesswoman for a second. <laughs> go sign up for Patreon, whether you're in the single espresso tier or the double espresso tier. Get in there, download all the content, and then drop out. Yeah. Pay the 25 to 30 bucks, literally download it. Now you own it and then cancel your membership. Don't Mm -hmm. stay past a month Mm -hmm. and it's yours. And I just think that's a really great way to uh, feasibly access some really great information. Mm. If you're willing to buy the book, you can even do another hack by getting it on Audible, which is way less expensive than buying the book itself. Although we definitely want to support Sue Johnson for sure. Yeah. Um, But we are all about getting access to tools and not making that difficult for people. So Difficult meaning too costly. Yeah. Because the work in itself is a big commitment to stick to. Mm-hmm. And sometimes putting in the financial, um, if it's too much, just means that you're going to throw your work ethic and your goals in life out the window. Mm. Which then becomes costly in a different way. That's, oh, I like that. Okay. 
I like that because now you're just talking about getting costly and that you become unhappy. So it can cost you in your emotions. It can cost you in your job. It could end up affecting your finances. Energy. Yeah. To to be able to do the job, get to work, uh, do it well. Your health. Maintain relationships, maintain a healthy mental state. This is why we do what we do. Okay. Okay. Let's jump in. So um, the attachment styles are actually going to be Tuesday through Friday. So anyone who wants to join that, you know, you're hearing in the beginning and end of of our uh, intro and outro to this show that you can join us on Patreon for that. We're doing an intro show today for the public to really help you understand the importance of attachment styles and understanding them. And there's a lot of different theories out there. They've all built on each other. Mm-hmm. So we're actually going to go into the psychology theories that are readily available online. Yeah, You can definitely look them up. And if it piques your interest, join us in the discussion. Perfect. Okay, so let's start with a definition of attachment. And I'm just going to read this here. It says, a special emotional relationship involving an exchange of comfort, care, and pleasure. Mm. So the whole concept of studying or understanding attachment is to recognize how you were raised when you were very, very young, and we're talking like right out of the birth canal here, Mm -hmm. how you are tended to affects the way that you experience comfort, care, and pleasure. Mm -hmm. And then it also affects the way you choose to access it throughout Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. And the way that you behave in giving it to other people or not. Yes. And so parents or parents-to-be or people who desire to be parents, you're hearing holy shit, this is a great responsibility Mm -hmm. that I either chose to take on and didn't educate myself about or now have the option to go educate myself because it's being brought to my attention. Oh, I just want to interject there as a mother. Anybody that's been following us knows that you're my daughter and that I have a son slash your brother. I wish I knew these things before I even got pregnant. Mm -hmm. Had I known these things back then, Kelly, I would have sat down, as you know, because I've done it ever since then, and I would have got myself into therapy and read these books and tried to find the TV programs, the John Bradshaws. I remember finding the John Bradshaws of the world, but it was after I had you guys, Mm -hmm. and I did jump on board and start educating myself as soon as I saw him on PBS. And then that opened a whole world to me called psychology to be able to understand how I was parented and how that was affecting my current relationship, meaning a marriage, and how it was affecting friendships, my job, how I talked to bosses, coworkers, clients, uh, every single person. Mm-hmm. So your attachment style, no matter who you are or what you're doing or how isolated you are in COVID or how you're starting to come back out into society, whatever it is that you're doing, affects every area of your life. Yeah, and maybe we'll say right now so people aren't, you know, full-blown in panic mode, it's not permanent. This is not something that has to stay permanent through your entire life. You can have great, wonderful influences that change the original attachment, that maybe strengthen the original attachment. So we don't want you to think, well, shit, I had absent parents. This is going to go downhill real quick. You may have had a teacher walk into your life or an aunt or uncle walk into your life or a stranger who just was there at the right time in the right moment and said the right things that shifted things in you. So 
sit tight. Let's talk about the styles. Let's talk about the influences so that you can have hope. And then, of course, we also know you can do your own fucking work. You don't have to wait for someone to walk into your life to change and nurture that attachment. You can buckle down, study, understand it, like self-study as well, and be able to shift the way that you respond or behave with others. And that will change things going forward. I think I'm a good example of what you've just talked about. I will say, duh. (laughs) (laughs) Respectfully, duh. Okay, I accept your duh. Good. And and please continue. Let them know why. Well, I can certainly recognize and look back and see my avoidance style when I'm a child. Spoiler. Okay. And then I can see how someone came into my life, and I'll go with like a John Bradshaw. Okay. That came in and made an influence. And I could also say that I went to therapy, and that made an influence. So you're talking about a a piece coming into your life, a person coming into your life, which affected it, but then also you taking an action. So there's two different things happening there, and we're encouraging people to seek out both. That's right. Okay. And then I can say, oh, this attachment style started to change when all of these things came in. And then I... In those, in those different situations, and as you move along, you, you fundamentally change in the way you think about mm-hmm. others and yourself. Yeah. And as a result, your relationships change. Mm-hmm. They get far richer, or you end them. Which I would argue is same, same. Okay. Because <laughs> if you're ending the ones that don't, don't become richer with you, <laughs> yeah. then your life is getting richer because people have said, yeah, I don't want that. And that's cool. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And I, it's a continual change, hopefully, that you be, you continue to become more aware and you begin, continue to become more enriched in your life, which means that you're enriching other people's lives as well. Okay. So I'm going to call exactly what you're talking about a different thing and I'm going to label it maintenance. Oh, perfect. You're saying continue to do the work and that's great. And I want people to really reframe this in a sense of every relationship that you have is maintenance. And some relationships really do click and flow just a little bit easier than all the other ones. And that's cool. But maintenance is still involved. Yes. And you will notice that the more maintenance you put into it, maybe the less check-ins you have to do because you guys are in a sync, a synchrony and a flow. And that other ones do require more maintenance because of maybe other factors in their lives. Mm -hmm. There's a number of reasons. And this brings me to my next point before we get into the different theories Please listen to the shows with your observer hat on. Mm. This is not about judging your parents or judging your parental figures. This is about observing the experiences that happened or didn't happen so that you can be able to say, oh, makes sense then, instead of good or bad labels. And when you get into the good and the bad labels, then you go into the blame game instead of actually focusing on getting work done. Yeah, and and we always encourage people when you when you kind of drift in the direction of saying good and bad, let's switch it to healthy, unhealthy, and just have an observation. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, so that was the unhealthy thing that catapulted me into this style. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Makes sense how I you know had a slew of other behaviors afterwards. Let's just observe so that we can then learn the tools to implement going forward to nurture a better attachment style. That's the intent. Right. You're talking about getting an understanding of something. Mm. 
So can we move into the different theories? Absolutely. Okay, so I'm not going to spend too much time on this. If people have questions about it, that's fine. You can also consult Google. Um, Freud, kind of the beginning of a lot of different theories in psychology, maybe because he had access to publishing things, um, but he had love attachments that he he talked about. They got built on, who I want to talk about, by Bowlby. Okay. So Bowlby has four distinguishing characteristics of attachment. I'm going to come consult my notes here just because I don't want to mix this up. The first one is called proximity maintenance. And this is the desire to be near the people that we have attachments to. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're not labeling anything yet. We're just saying this is one of the characteristics and you're going to find yourself on a spectrum. Then we have what he calls a safe haven. And this is returning to the attachment figure for comfort and safety when fear or threats present themselves to us. Oh God, I like that. I, 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 Instantly think of going to that person instead of chocolate. Interesting. Or, okay. or you know what I mean. Or going to that person instead of a, like an addiction. Well, that's cool. Of anything. And let's take stuff and things out for a second, because some people mm-hmm. might hear this and go, well, "Well, what does that mean?" This is where you may have an immediate thought of the person that you do run to, and you go, "Oh shit, it's not my partner. I run to my sister." Still, mm-hmm. 20 years into the marriage, I still run to my mm-hmm. sister for for when I'm faced with threats or fear in my life. Right. Okay, what does that mean about my attachment style to my partner? Oh, God, Kelly. Good. That's so good. Yeah, and again, we're not judging. We're just finding ourselves yeah. on a spectrum That's right. based on these characteristics. And you can actually hear when we get into the different styles uh, in throughout the week that the attachment style that you have developed and maintained with your sister may be very secure. And the one that you have developed with your partner at this point may be anxious, maybe avoidant, mm-hmm. maybe very disorganized. Mm-hmm. We've just spoiled all of the different <laughs> you types did. of attachments, <laughs> yeah. but we're still going to learn about them. So then the third one he labels secure base. Wait, wait. Oh. No, you went too fast too for fast. all these people that are sitting there going, oh, oh God, it's you, like gold throwing. You know, there's a pause button, right? <laughs> yeah, I know, but I'm just saying what it's going to do to their heart to hear what you just said. Mm. That the reason that they can stay in something that's unhealthy or dysfun- and dysfunctional, painful and hurting is because they have a secure attachment outside of that relationship to someone else who meets their needs. Uh, potentially. I, I know that. I understand you're saying potentially. I'm just saying that piece of information can really sink into somebody to help them understand this is why I don't do what I need to do for me. Or for us. Or for us, or and for the family, or for whoever it is, right? The pets, whatever. This is my reason why. Because if I actually cut this attachment off, and I don't run over there, then maybe I actually have to sit in this discomfort and know that this person is n- actually not meeting my needs in a healthy way. That I just wanted to hit the pause button for a moment, and now we can sit back in this. Yeah, and just maybe to finish the entire thought then for people who are like, well, why, why did you say potentially? I'm going to say because there are some people where their reality is they don't have a single secure attachment in their life. Oh, and so they may yeah. stay in the anxious, avoidant, or disorganized uh, relationship mm-hmm. or attachment style because there truly is no one else offering something secure. So something is better than nothing, which we're actually going to get into in in some of Bowlby's other work. May I move on? Absolutely. Okay. So we have what he calls a secure base. 
This is the attachment figure acting as a base of security so that you can explore your environment. Mm -hmm. And this is at any age. I want people to keep this in mind. So it was developed based on children, right? Infants, Mm -hmm. essentially, and how they explore their world. But it also relates to if you have a secure attachment to your your attachment figure, Mm. that you feel safe to explore your environment around you. And you come back to them to sort of touch base, regroup, and feel confident to go back out again. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then he notes separation distress. And this one made me giggle, but we'll talk about that later. Um, Anxiety occurring in the absence of the attachment figure. Mm. And when I first read about this, I thought, oh, that must be a really terrible thing. If you have anxiety about your attachment figure leaving, could it actually really be a secure thing then? And it's actually quite the opposite. It's that when you develop, and I'm going to use this as an example here, you and I, when you have such a secure attachment, the idea or the actual absence of that attachment figure causes a certain level of distress and anxiety. Because they are what provides a lot of that security. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't discredit or negate the confidence, the self-esteem that you end up building within yourself because of that attachment. It simply means, Mm -hmm. holy fuck, my base is gone. Right. Yeah. Good? I, yeah. Okay. I get that. So those are Bowlby's four distinguishing characteristics of attachment. Then I also wanted to note here, pardon me, I can't take credit for this. Bowlby also notes that... um, You know, a lot of this is about nurture, Mm -hmm. but what he didn't want to overlook is that there's an evolutionary component to it. So when you think about being an infant, you are 100% dependent on your caretaker. And so the survival that comes into this is your attachment develops so that you can continue to survive. Right. So if you have someone who is secure, you respond to it because you see, oh, my needs are being met there. Yeah. Attachment is created. If you have figures of attachment that inconsistently meet your needs, Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, I can't really rely on that. I'm going to be pretty skeptical of that. And so my behavior develops in part because of that behavior or largely in part because of that behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, And if my needs aren't being met at all, I can become extremely indifferent or ambivalent to that individual because they're not ensuring my survival. Right. So I have to do it myself. Right. And so, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're having a hard time you know, um, thinking about how that translates into adulthood, stay with us. We're going to explain all of that Mm -hmm. uh, in future shows. We just want to introduce the concepts right now. Yes. Then we have Mary Ainsworth. So she developed what's called the strange situation. And this is where she took infants and their mothers uh, or parents, let's say, and they, Mm -hmm. she put them in a room together. Mm -hmm. And then what happened was she put some toys in front of the child and a stranger walked into the room and conversed with the parent. And then the, the stranger, pardon me, approached the child and, you know, attempted to kind of interact with the child and the parent just gently left the room. And what Ainsworth was observing was how the child responded to the attachment figure's absence in the presence of a stranger. Mm -hmm. So there's two kind of components happening here. And the stranger interacts with them for a little bit. The parent comes back into the room casually. And then they're observing how the infant responds to the reintegration of the parent, of of their presence, to see, okay, in in all three of those situations, or even four, how did this child respond? Were they curious? Did they comfortably integrate with the different changes? Or did they sit back? Did they stand back? Did they show levels of distress? 
did they reach out for that parent upon return to be comforted or reassured? Mm, right. And then the styles develop from this. Oh, beautiful work. Yeah. Mary Ainsworth yes. and Bowlby. Yeah. And now I want to talk about Harry Harlow. And this is really difficult. And it often brings me to tears when I talk about it. So I really want to do this gently and slowly. He did exceptional work as well. I just don't know that it would be ethical in this day and age. Oh. But I still need to explain what happened. So he did his work with chimps. Okay. And his was labeled contact comfort. And so at the very beginning of a chimp's life, as soon as they were born, a baby chimp was taken away from the mother. And uh, pardon me, I think it was a couple months. Uh, but I mean, that's still mm -hmm. very young. You think about how, again, how dependent you are on that, um, that parent for survival. These chimps are taken away from their mothers in particular. And they are put into isolation. And then they are given surrogate mothers but not actual chimps. They're given wired, oh, I wired figures to yeah. look like a chimp. And one of the wired monkeys or pseudo monkeys has food next to it. The other wired monkey has no food next to it, but has a cloth wrapped around it. So it's soft. And the experimentation was, which do these baby monkeys prefer? Are they going to choose the one that literally feeds them and ensures that they survive physically? Or are they going to prefer the comforted one that has something soft and gentle that has nurturance or that kind of feel to it? Mm -hmm. And resounding results were that they chose the one not with food, but yeah. with cloth. Yeah. And I think that speaks volumes about us as, um, pardon me, across the board. All of oh, the species, yeah. what we want in terms of this life is attachment and love. I think that's really important you said that today because we have so much, so much divisiveness mm -hmm. and it's something very difficult to understand why there are certain people that want the fighting and the separation and you're explaining how they got raised perhaps. Yeah. And then you're also explaining the other people who want the comfort and don't want this fighting and divisiveness and want to be able to collaborate and how very different we are as human beings and why we are. So hopefully we get to learn how to come out of all of that. And yet not at all. Because right. the argument is that you can be raised in a particular way where you are conditioned to believe, I want the food, I will fight anyone for the food because that's what's going to keep me alive. But that is a lifetime of suppression of the actual basic need across the board of species for nurturance. Yeah. So we're not that different. We've been heavily conditioned by our upbringing, our surroundings, all different kinds of factors, again, um, to behave in a particular way to ensure uh, our survival. Right. So, you know, we bring this up so that people can be intrigued and want to stay with us for the rest of the education, but also so that you can find yourselves in these situations to say, I want to be curious about my own self. Mm -hmm. I want to understand why my attachments are so great and easy. I want to understand why they are so difficult and seem to require so much maintenance. Um, and maybe also to feel motivated to want to do the maintenance if you are one of those individuals who has never seen the point. Mm. That's good. 
that is our intention with this series. Um, I know that I can speak on both of our behalf, but I will let you speak as well. Just to say that we're so damn excited mm-hmm. to get into Tuesday through Friday to talk about this. Mm-hmm. And and for those of you who d- who will not join us for the rest of the series, Google. Yeah. Google. Soak up the information from great sources, Psychology Today, somewhere else that is credible, um, maybe through a podcast if that's how you like learning. Um, whatever it is that you need in order to get your needs met, ironically. Good. That's great, Kelly. Awesome. So uh, we hope that everyone has a great Monday and hopefully uh, we will see you through the rest of the week. Thanks for listening to Sips of Sanity. Catch the full monthly series on patreon.com forward slash by Sarlo.